Hello and welcome to the podcast. My name is Scott. You're listening to Coffee and Books. Thank you again for listening. If you're new, please be sure to share this podcast if you would like it and you enjoy it. We're going to get into part two. My last episode, you can definitely check out. It's a little bit long, but it's called Lies My Teacher Told Me. This is part two. You don't need to listen to part one to understand part two, but just know the main concept of the book, Lies My Teacher Told Me, is that this author is basically researching U.S. textbooks and history and why they fail to bring about the correct course of what actually history is about in the United States. There are just different topics that the author covers that he analyzes and dissects. Um, We're going to start with the Civil War. Uh, Before, we talked about random topics, everything from Woodrow Wilson and Helen Keller to eventually we get up from the colonial era to sort of the 1800s, and now we're going to kind of talk about the 1800s in particular. We're going to talk about the Civil War. Uh, Civil War is a very, very complex topic, which I can read many, many books about and talk about with you. But in particular, we're going to talk just about the history books in the United States and why they do what they do. Again, this is something that I can only speak for what I've learned from myself, um, and I'm going based on the author's opinions and choices of words here. So please keep that in mind. Uh, So for those of you who know, the United States had a civil war during the uh, mid-1800s. The main issue, of course, was over slavery. Uh, A topic that is kind of downplayed in a lot of the different parts of the country, particularly because many people have a fascination with Southern history in the United States. Uh, Depending on where you're from, a lot of this is sort of downplayed. Um, So what are some things books teach us depending on where you're from? So, for example, uh, according to my notes here, you might find that people will argue that the Civil War was really over states' rights, um, a.k.a. the states' right to secede from the Union, or you could also argue that some people would say it's a clash of ideologies between the North and the South, but all these ideologies come down to is slavery. Is it, you know, bad? Which, yes, the answer is slavery is very, very bad. The difference, though, is that the South was completely economically dependent upon slavery for its profits, whereas the North was not necessarily, uh, you know, it it benefited from slavery, but it did not necessarily pursue slavery um, actively as much as the South did. And as a result, there were two different schools of thought in the United States uh, during the early part of the 1800s which is that uh, it should be compromised and that eventually slavery will be eked out of society or that it will eventually be downplayed. Um, But there are just many, many things that history books talk about as leading up to the cause of the Civil War. Uh, But many textbooks unfortunately neglect to mention the fact that racism was an inherent part of slavery, specifically in the United States, and that racism was really a true cause of the Civil War. So... We often compare slavery in our textbooks to the fact that there are slavery in other countries, that there are slavery a long time ago. For instance, you could say, well, the Roman Empire had slaves. Uh, But the institution that was the racism in the United States differed very much so from, for instance, the Roman Empire's version of slavery. Um, In the Roman Empire's version of slavery, although it was unlikely, a person could theoretically improve their social standing and class. There were different backgrounds of people who were slaves. It wasn't just necessarily one group of people or one type of people. Um, Oftentimes when Rome went to war, they would 
take captives and turn those people into slaves. Um, but the United States is very different in this regard, as its legacy was inherited from colonialism, in particular from empires such as Great Britain and France and Spain, we have to acknowledge the fact that those European powers often took Africans and enslaved them in their countries and transported them to the United States for slavery, or the sole purpose of slavery for profit. And in order to justify this in their actions, many people used cognitive dissonance, or they particularly saw people as inferior and that they were just using a resource, which is very devastating. But over time, this idea of cognitive dissonance wasn't just we have to view them as different, it turned into racism, explicit racism, so that the Southerners in the United States could completely justify having slavery. And, of course, this was their livelihood, so they're going to defend it. And it's very unfortunate that that was their cause of economic profit. And although not every Southerner you know, thought of themselves as fighting for this cause, many Southerners, and specifically Confederates, and people who were in the Confederate Army, did, in fact, believe that slavery was their right to do so. Um, but my point is that we often, in history books, compare slavery throughout the ages, but neglect to mention that racism was how we justified the current method of slavery in the United States in the 1800s. In reality, it was also a factor that many people feared what would happen if all of a sudden, you know, African, uh, you know, Americans were free. What would you do? What would they do? Would they go to another country? Would they stay? Would they work? Would they not work? Many people were worried that they would rise up and attack the white people who had abused them for so long. And you could kind of tell this fear was justified. They should be afraid considering the fact that they abused people for hundreds of years. So, yeah, I mean, I could understand why they'd be afraid of, you know, people who are angry about that. Um, however, <laughs> they still kept people enslaved and still used, the, again, racism as a justification to put people down. Um, the fanaticism of people like John Brown were definitely overplayed in textbooks. Um, I will say that I did not hear of John Brown before this, which is a shame. I had seen pictures of him before, but I was not familiar with who he is. If you don't know, John Brown was an abolitionist who was very famous from being from Kansas. Now, for those of you who don't know your history, Kansas was admitted as a free state and Missouri was admitted as a slave state. And as a result, they shared border together in the Midwest in the United States. Missouri, being pro-slavery, would often send its pro-slavery people into Kansas in places such as Lawrence to attack the, the, you know, the city. People like John Brown were defending their homes from attacks from the you know, pro-slavery elements. It was actually in the 1850s, but John Brown, you know, after being attacked uh, by pro-slavery people from Missouri, decided that he would do the same thing to people on the Missouri side. He was caught while doing this. He was caught freeing slaves and giving them weapons, and as a result, he was tried with treason. And when he was tried with treason, he received the death penalty, but he, of course, died a martyr. But many people, specifically textbooks in the United States history, downplay the fact that he was a martyr and more so say, well, he actually was a religious fanatic, he was crazy, he had mental health issues, his family had people who were mentally unsound, 
And, you know, there's truth in the element that he was religious, but not necessarily, you know, was he mentally unsound. But many textbooks downplay the fact that a white person actively sought to protect his town from pro-slavers or people who were, you know, attacking his, you know, hometown, his farm, his livelihood, just because he wanted to be an abolitionist or just because he believed in free equality for other people. He's often quoted as, you know, once he had studied the Bible, he had said essentially that he believed that slavery was un, unjust and it was a cause worth fighting against. So like I said, Brown was one of the people who was primarily seen as an example, as someone who we could learn from, but is downplayed in history as someone who is crazy and who would not have normally fought for Africans or African Americans. You have also people such as Abraham Lincoln. Now, of course, we all learn about Abraham Lincoln and what he did and helped, how he helped save the Union during the Civil War. Uh, but that is basically what Lincoln is credited with and not his idealisms. And I think it's also sad that people such as Lincoln, with their idealisms about how to end slavery, you know, are often quoted as someone who was just trying to do the best for what was right for his country. You know, he was trying to save the Union, and he was trying to save America from going to war against itself. And I think what's important to note here is that Abraham Lincoln and people like him had ideas, and those ideas are very powerful, and those ideas are what inspired the Union Army to fight against the Confederates. On the other side, you had the Confederates' idealism as being, again, something that was racism and slavery. And you kind of see what happens over the period of the Civil War while the South and the North each had power, you know, the idealism of racism was not something many Southerners could necessarily fight for. Many Southerners or Confederates were from poorer backgrounds who often fought for rich plantation owners to keep slavery. And then on the other hand, you have people who were in the Union Army who believed in the just cause of fighting for freedom and equality for all. They believed in the words of the Declaration of Independence. They believed that all men are created equal. And even though those founding, even though those founding fathers actually did contain slaves and had slaves, you know, the ideas that they had sprouted in the Declaration of Independence and our constitutions, um, you know, those ideas spread. And the idea of equality for all would eventually lead to many different movements in the United States and around the world that would lead to more equality. Um, when you hear about people in places like in you know, Ireland or in places like in uh, South Africa that were fighting for their freedoms or what they believe their just causes, they're often quoting uh, civil rights and they're often quoting uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln, and they're often quoting people like the Founding Fathers. So, like I said, the ideas, the words were important, but many textbooks censor people like Abraham Lincoln in their speeches. Often the only speech you hear about by Lincoln was the Gettysburg Address, which is true for, in my case. Um, but again, people such as Lincoln, their ideas were censored so that it would not offend white Southerners, and it would not offend people whose legacy was the South. You know, there's a period in the South following the Civil War, the Reconstructionist era, which is very famous for the rebuilding of the South. There were many Northerners who went 
South to help people in the South. Many white people were helping African Americans learn to read and write for the first time. Uh, these people were often demeaned and attacked by white Southerners who disagreed with their politics, but often those people were made fun of and called carpetbaggers or people who were making a profit off of uh, the South, which is not true at all. Many people from the North voluntarily went South to help people after the Civil War. The other term that is very famous besides carpetbaggers is called scallywags, and scallywags were Southerners who were Republicans, or people who were for, at that time, freedom and equality um, for uh, African Americans supporting people like Abraham Lincoln. They were seen as betrayers to the Southern cause. And as a result, again, those people were also attacked, as well as black people who were trying to learn and trying to grow. And you see this time period between 1890 to 1940 when relations uh, were often worsening between the different racial segregations in the U.S. Uh, and that started with Woodrow Wilson, of course, as I mentioned. Um, but before this time period, what is a surprising fact many people don't know about in the United States is that many people you know, held office who were African Americans. Many people in the United States did get involved in politics, did get involved after their rights were secured following the Civil War. And uh, it's very unfortunate that those people were often attacked and often eventually forced out of their uh, positions of power. And eventually, white Southern Democrats or the supremacists would eventually take over those positions of power again. And it was after World War II and during the Civil Rights Movement, we finally start to see this power wane a little bit. So it's all connected, and my point is, is that in particular, we don't talk about a lot of things in history in the Civil War. So one, the major plot points here are, one, we don't talk about how slavery is the main cause of the Civil War, or at least that its effect was all about the causation of many conflicts in the United States, in particular the Civil War. We don't talk about how many African Americans held office following the Civil War and were eventually forced out. We don't talk about how the Civil War, you know, had you know Africans, uh, you know, African Americans who volunteered to fight on the Union side. We don't talk about a lot, at least about how the Confederates also realized eventually that their cause was unjust, and that eventually many Confederates uh, joined the Union cause and many Confederate soldiers also disbanded or disaffected. And eventually, even in places like as far away as Texas, eventually the Confederate army would melt away and its ideals eventually would be seen as something that was treasonous to the Union. Uh, but eventually, like I said, in the early 1900s, the sort of before World War II, many of these ideas and places in the South were seen as bad and should not be written to glorify, you know, the violence that was in the South. Many people decided that, unfortunately, that's not something that should be taught to young minds. And nowadays you have people that are young who had no idea that the South was a place of unjustness and violence in the United States. And uh, that's all for now. Again, all these topics. Um, actually, there is one more topic I'd like to talk about. Uh, let's keep going forward here. The last thing I want to talk about 
is uh, the next chapter actually involved about social class. And this is something that's very interesting. The social class is often not talked about in school books because of the fact that it represents Marxist beliefs. But something that is definitely hidden in history books is, is this idea that we have the ability to not move forward and upward social mobility. You know, oftentimes in school you're taught America is great, America is equal, America is primarily middle class, and that, you know, you're responsible for, you know, upward mobility, and if you work hard, you can one day be rich and successful. But in reality is most people stay in their same social class, and most people never make it or never improve their livelihood because of where they're from. I mean, social class determines a lot in your life and it pretty much determines everything. You know, if you're typically born poor, you stay poor. And if you're born rich, you stay rich. And the ideas of this have been the same since the 1980s. But essentially, around the 80s, during the Reagan administration in the United States... Um, major tax cuts were developed for the rich, and the idea was is that these tax cuts would eventually trickle down and get to the poor. But the idea that the poor weren't being successful started from this, as they were saying people who were poor, whether you were white, whether you were black, or no matter what, um, they often said it was your fault, starting in the 1980s. And uh, that idea still persists, unfortunately, today, that it's not the system itself, but it's rather the people, the individuals that cause their own problems and mishaps. But the more I research it, the more I realize, yeah, being poor, the system is rigged against you. The more you learn about it, the more you can understand yourself. And I think if you're from a poorer background, you don't have the educational resources that you do if you're wealthier. And that's often not talked about in schools either. That, you know, someone who's from a poorer background isn't going to learn that, it's harder for them to move forward anyway. And maybe they should be upset about the fact that the wealthiest you know, percentage of the um, United States, the wealthiest percentage of Americans control 40% of the wealth, like the top 1%, and at the bottom half control maybe an eighth of the power of the United States and wealth. And that's the idea, that the whole problematic issue of class stems from the fact we don't like to talk about it because we don't want to be labeled as Marxist or socialist or we don't want to talk about ideas and class warfare. Uh, we don't like to talk about the riots and we don't like to talk about the unions and we definitely don't want to mention anything in modern history about these things. But in reality, how could you not? Uh, how could you not want to talk about what's going on in the current state of the world and not say, well, it all stems from economics. It all stems from the fact that Many people are getting richer right now, especially during the pandemic. And many people are hurt by this pandemic and they're getting poorer. It all stems from social class. And like I said, it's all not talked about in the United States history textbooks. Thank you again for listening to my podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to share it with friends. Um, again, if you're listening, thank you so much for sharing and uh, have a great day. And uh, we'll continue with part three in the next couple of days. Okay, bye.